The Lord be with you. And also with you. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Friends, near and far, we welcome you to this Sunday service of ordered worship in the nave of Marsh Chapel, Boston University. The liturgy, homily, and music are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our New England radio audience through WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe live at WBUR.org. We encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship. Our second annual Student Life Service and Remembrance of Howard Thurman, former Dean of Marsh Chapel, 1953 to 1965, happily brings to our nave Dean of Students at Boston University, Ken Elmore, and Director of the Howard Thurman Center at Boston University, Catherine J. Kennedy. With our staff, musicians, and ministry associates, they will help lead this hour of worship. Welcome. Together we are thankful this morning for the gifts of grace and freedom, the shepherding presence, the holy ordinary of quotidian communion, for eyesight and sunlight and insight, for hearing words which make us endearing, for the taste of grace through time and space, for the scent and sense of our need for lament, for touch and such and much so much that lies beyond us the mystery in which we are held. As we are able, let us stand in the praise of God.
Jesus is the good shepherd of your people. Grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Friends, confession is good for the soul. One great treasure which the world's religious traditions may offer our troubled time is the language of confession. Words for confession, psalms of lament, hymns of contrition, poems of compunction, all offered in the happy confidence of God's lavish, pardoning love. This morning you may want to get something off your chest. You may want to let a secret go. Imagine in your right hand a postcard and in your left hand a pen. And as the choir sings our Kyrie, write out your secret on your card and as the choir finishes, drop it in the imaginary mail and let it go. You will be glad you did. Pens poised, let us pray.
but for the grace of God we would not be, but for the grace of God we could not love, but for the grace of God we should not speak, but by God's grace we live and love and speak. Beloved, if we confess our sin, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A lesson from the Revelation of St. John, chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
join me in saying verses from Psalm 23 with the Antiphon. shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple, in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. But you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. 
as we come now toward the moment of the word, our preaching, the sacrament of preaching, we pause to express in a moment the word of welcome, the embrace of divine love in which we are all held, and especially today to welcome some dear friends and guests from the university at large who have come to be among us and to guide our service in the closing litany. We welcome our friend Dean Ken Elmore, who has been the Dean of Students here since 2003, but he has a longer, deeper history with the university than that. He is a, a lawyer and is a practicing administrative uh, leader here. And also, you probably will want to know, he is uh, an excellent basketball player. I can testify to that. He loves jazz, and he carries with him daily a love of Howard Thurman and an expression of the care and grace and giving which were at the heart of Thurman's work and word, and we're delighted to have him and his daughter with us today. We also, there are many reasons, of course, to uh, envy Catherine J. Kennedy, our dear friend who is the director of the Howard Thurman Center, for instance, for her presence and leadership and for her work in journalism earlier in her career, earning a Pulitzer Prize some years ago for reporting here in Boston, for the guidance she has given to the Howard Thurman Center in these years, for her sense of history of the university, for her friendship with Dean George McKechnie, and for her gracious uh, hospitality evening and morning. For all those reasons, we might express envy, but today especially we are envious of Catherine because she has the chance to sit next to her own mother in the pew before us. And many of us would like to do that day by day, but you have that opportunity. Jane, we welcome you as well. Two Sundays from now will be Mother's Day, and in case we don't have a chance to express it on that day, we wish you a happy Mother's Day in advance. The university in which we, are we find ourselves has a long and deep religious history of the 10 presidents, the first five were Methodist ministers. So through 1968, you might have found the president of the university on a weekend officiating at a wedding or conducting a funeral or preaching in a pulpit here or across the country. And likewise, the other five, three of them, have had uh, interest in and study in divinity and theology and all, including our current president, Robert A. Brown, and his wife, Dr. Beverly Brown, have been very supportive and present in the worship life of this community, and for that, we are grateful. As to the deanships of Marsh Chapel, it has been said that in order to be the dean here, you have to A, be named Robert, and B, be a Methodist. And actually, when you think of Robert Allen Hill and Robert Cummings Neville and Robert Watts Thornburg and Robert Edward Hamill, uh, well, but actually, you, if you, although there is the exception of the most exceptional, the non-Robert and the non-Methodist Howard Thurman, a Baptist. To his memory, we are devoting our preaching uh, today. You know, we live in an ownership society. We live in an ownership culture. We live in an ownership ethic, a time of celebration of ownership, and there's great good in that. We want a balance of liberty and justice, do we not? But as one of our famous uh, political leaders quipped a couple of years ago, 
you need to be careful of an ownership society, an ownership culture, and an ownership ethic because at its worst, friends, you know what that means. You're on your own in an ownership culture. Against that, leaning against that, come the words of Howard Thurman on common ground and the disinherited, leaning into that wind of an ownership society and culture. Let us pray. For the gift of this one hour, we are grateful. Give us minds to receive and ears to hear, we pray. Amen. Two startling, conflicting approaches to Christ accost us in our scripture lesson this morning. One, the presence. Two, the shepherd. It may be that you, of a sudden this hour, will find your way forward, walking hand in hand, presence to the left, shepherd to the right. You may find you need a hand one day. As William Sloan Coffin once memorably said, they tell me that religion is a crutch. What makes you think you don't limp? Our verses were born, here the coaching, the coached breathing, the contractions, the shouts of pain. They were born in distress. We shall suppose the following setting, the year 100 CE, the place Ephesus, the audience, a small, fierce, and fledgling church, the cast, a group of people who have been thrown out of their community at just the moment that they lost their main belief. They have lost belonging and meaning in the same breath of contraction. That is, they once happily affirmed Jesus in their community of origin, the synagogue, but that lasted only as long as they were traditionally monotheistic. Once the Spirit said of Jesus, I and the Father are one, they began to pack their bags. To grow up, they had to leave home. In the same years, and I prize the courageous honesty of these early relatives of yours, they had to face up to the fact that Jesus was not coming back that the great in the manner of the primitive hope of the church, he was not returning any time soon. That great primary apocalyptic hope of the earliest church with the cry of command, the archangel's call, the sound of the trumpet of God proved false. Parousia gave way to paraclete, Armageddon to the artistry of the everyday, and speculation to spirit. Necessity, once again, gave birth to newness. They had to open the door and unshutter the window to broaden their religious circle and open their spiritual perspective. So today you may need to feel your way into a moment in life, yours or another's, in which your community of friends is dispersed or wrecked and your sense of purpose is changed or destroyed. For instance, in these days, we embrace those about to graduate. As you participate in various community gatherings and then are cast out or cast up into the real world, you may have occasion to recall the scriptural witness today to similar experience. What we hear in John 10 is a sermon or part of one. Now you may wonder why uh, modern sermons are not limited to eight verses. Well, things don't always get better in history, do they? Motion is not progress. But these eight verses are a sermon. 
or a form of one. And in this sermon, delivered 70 years after the crucifixion, an explanation of disappointment and dislocation, remember, no longer apocalypse, no longer community of origin, here is affirmed to help people. Preaching is meant to help people. To know Christ is to know his benefits. We are out in the snowbank, decommunitized for a reason, says the preacher in John 10. Jesus in Paraclete has said, I and the Father are one. But for the traditional monotheists among us, this presents a problem. One, we get. Two, not so much. And we haven't even raised the Trinity issue yet, the move to three. So it is time in the year 100 to move, to itinerate, to know again the lostness of being outside, starting over. You might call it an existential commencement. But Jesus in Paraclete also says something else. Your greatest freedom may surprisingly be embedded in your most hurtful disappointment. Your truest grace may surprisingly be embedded in your most wrenching dislocation. That door once opened, that window once unshuttered, offer a summer wind, a clean breeze, warm sunlight. We move to commencement, a new beginning, honoring our graduates, singing freedom into the maw of disappointment, singing grace into the cavernous maw of dislocation. At least, that is what John's little community discovered, and they called it eternal life, resurrection, salvation, truth. That is, you didn't need that tight-knit community after all. That is, you didn't need that superannuated hope after all. Because the sheep know the shepherd's voice. They sing, my life flows on in endless song above earth's lamentation. I hear the clear though far off hymn that hails a new creation. No storm can break my inmost calm when to that rock I'm clinging. If love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Here two Christs, one transcendent, one imminent, one divine, one human, one silent, one shepherd. The Father and I are one, my sheep hear my voice. There is nothing more personal than a voice. Voice is the personal given life. There's nothing more personal, not fingerprint, not DNA, not Facebook, nothing at all. It's your own most self. Hence, preaching, the sacrament of preaching, so utterly, direly personal. In Romans 10, faith comes by hearing. I wonder whether we are deep enough in disappointment and dislocation now to bump into a little grace and freedom. For every sermon in almost every religious tradition is a call to decision, a dualism of decision, a call to personal loving and giving, a call to communal giving and loving, a call to relational authority and authentic relationship, a call to you today to service and care. 
Our son Ben once said of his grandfather, I love to hear his voice. And last year, his grandfather survived a nearly mortal illness. There are not words to convey the joy, the gratitude that we, his family, experience in his escape. Those who have been on the brink of death can appreciate John 10, 28. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Not all deliverance of this sort is of an earthly kind, is found on an earthly horizon. Some freedom and some grace must await us across the river. And I don't mean Harvard across the river, I mean the river, that existential horizon. But some, anyway, comes to us, freedom and grace, here. My father and my mother lived here in Boston from 1950 to 1953, and in 1975 he wrote the following sentences in the back of a book, and I quote them with permission. The temptation for the people of the church in every age is to believe, A, that Jesus is only human, or B, that Jesus only appeared to be human. For those who settle on it, A, there is no power, mystery, or pull to pry them up and out of much of life. And for those who choose B, there is no hope because humankind cannot ascend the heights of divinity. Both are heresies. The pious wise folk of 325 AD saw, though they could not explain it, that he was fully human and fully divine. Presence and shepherd. Uh, our parents departed in 1953, just as Howard Thurman came to town. As Reverend Gomes last week recalled, as he and I exchanged pulpits, George Buttrick and Howard Thurman used to do the same. And Thurman's voice carries us into two dimensions, two realms of reality. He was a hundred years ahead of his time 50 years ago, my standard saying about Thurman. And so he's still 50 years ahead of you and me. He evoked the Christ of the common ground, transcendent, universal, shared, unconfined, free. And he also evoked the Christ of the disinherited, imminent, particular, grasped, embodied, back against the wall. Two, one and shepherd calling out to you to know the grain of your own wood, not to cut against the grain of your own wood. Our six ministry associates prepared this sermon after a year of work here at Marsh Chapel. We are very proud of them, and we bring them to you and bring their voices to you with admiration. They endured three hours of mortal combat with me in preparing the sermon and another three hours of cultural and biblical exegesis confronting both John 10 and April 25th. And they turned for support to Howard Thurman, to his book, The Search for Common Ground, and to his other book, Jesus and the Disinherited, and you can read them too. As a group, they vehemently argued, you might be interested, against what they called processed religion. It's worse for you, Dean Hill, than processed food, they said. Beware processed religion. I like Wonder Bread, I objected, but no, they had to teach me to beware of 
processed food and processed religion. They showed me a video titled, I'm sorry, I am a Christian. They confessed, even though Easter has come, it does not always feel that way. They said, late April means more normal liturgy. It means a coming move out of the dorms, talk about dislocation. It means a new life and growth, but also old and enduring challenges. So here they are in voice, our 2010 Marsh Chapel Ministry Associates, lifting again Thurman's common ground and Thurman's disinherited. Good morning, I'm Kelly Drescher, Ministry Associate on the Medical Campus. Our work across campus this year has involved us in many individual lives and many forms of ministry, both with religious and with the unreligious people. We have striven to bring a sense of freedom and grace to all, to recognize the common ground upon which we walk. As Thurman wrote in The Search for Common Ground, the Hopi Indian myth carries still in its thematic emphasis on the memory of a lost harmony. I am Jen Quigley, Ministry Associate for Student Affairs. There is a unity of living structures that includes rocks, plants, animals, and humans, antibodies and antigens, and the arrangement of a cell and a human child. I'm Lauren Maramontes, Ministry Associate for the Interfaith Council. Thurman cites Plato, until philosophers are kings and political greatness and wisdom meet in one, and those commoner natures who pursue either to the exclusion of the other are compelled to stand aside, cities will never have rest from their evils. In the voice of Howard Thurman, 50 years ago, there is a regard for mystery, silence, presence, the transcendent, where Jesus the paraclete can say, I and the Father are one. One in kinship with all creation, one in kinship with every human being, so that nothing human is foreign to us. One in transformative engagement with the soup of our natural world, our home, our condition, our circumstance. One in openness to the great differences and diversities of personal, that is to say religious expression, including myth from long ago and far away. So, presence. I am Micah Christian, a ministry associate for first year students. Jesus rejected hatred. It was not because he lacked the vitality or the strength. It was not because he lacked the incentive. Jesus rejected hatred because he saw that hatred meant death to the mind, death to the spirit, death to communion with his Father. He affirmed life, and hatred was the great denial. I'm Soren Hessler, Ministry Associate for Judicial Affairs. There's something more to be said about the inner equipment growing out of the great affirmation of Jesus that a man is a child of God. If a man's ego has been stabilized, resulting in a sure grounding of his sense of personal worth and dignity, then he is in a position to appraise his own intrinsic powers, gifts, 
talents, and abilities, he no longer views his equipment through the darkened lenses of those who are largely responsible for his social position. I am John Proust, Ministry, Ministry Associate for Interfaith Work. The basic fact is that Christianity, as it was born in the mind of this Jewish teacher and thinker, appears as a technique of survival for the oppressed. In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. Wherever this spirit appears, the oppressor gather fresh courage, for he announced good news that fear, hypocrisy, and hatred, the three hounds of hell that track the trail of the disinherited, need have no dominion over them. The shepherd as well. Jan and I came over here to Boston four years ago in part in order to invest the last quarter of our ministry in the next generation of preachers, teachers, ministers of the gospel. If there are those within the range of our voice who are looking for employment as pastoral ministers, you can do no better than to speak to one of these six of your colleagues who are just a little bit farther down the road. You may catch a certain spirit. You hear today six voices that will change the world for the better, and the world changes for the better one decision about vocation at a time. Is somebody calling your name? I asked these six dear friends in Thurmanesque fashion to tell me about their sense of the divine, about presence, about shepherd, and they said, he is all the world to me, loves me, he's perpetually right, means freedom, shows us that self-giving love is the way to life. He's got my back, he's a consoler of the poor, the lamp of the poor, unconditional love, my greatest gift, a patient pursuer, a friend on the journey who challenges us because he loves us and brings out our own best self. So now we ask you as we sing the hymns of Easter, how will you live out the deep river truth of presence and shepherd? How will you live down its opposition, however you understand that? Have you truly intuited the brevity of life? Have you really absorbed the capacity we have as humans to harm? Have you faced the dualism of decision that is the marrow of every Sunday, every prayer, every sermon, every service? Are you ready to make a break for it? Are you ready to discover freedom even in disappointment and grace even in dislocation? Are you set to place one hand in that of the presence and the other in that of the shepherd? As Director Catherine Kennedy once wrote, the beauty of Thurman is that he wasn't trying to convert people to Christianity. Rather, he wanted people to see that there is a common ground we can reach by respecting one another's differences while still holding on to those beliefs that are uniquely ours. As we reflect on such questions, may we do so in the confidence of freedom and grace known in the promise of this season, reflected in the joys of springtime, overheard in the words and vows of commitment, expanded into the lengthening evening daylight, enjoyed in the gatherings of family and friends, 
celebrated in the ceremonies of completion, and carried forward from this hour of worship and day of remembrance in the words of Emily Dickinson. I stepped from plank to plank, a slow and cautious way. The stars above my head I felt, about my feet the sea. I knew not but the next would be my final inch. This gave me that precarious gait some call experience. Dear friends, we come to the time in our service when we offer our prayers to God. I would invite you, according to your tradition, to stand, kneel, remain seated, or come to the communion rail as the choir leads us in singing our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. the words of Howard Thurman preached this day, so too we allow Dean Thurman to guide us in prayer. The concern which I lay bare before you today is, whatever disaffection there is between me and those who are or have been very close to me, I would seek the root or cause of such disaffection. And with the illumination of your mind, O God, to understand it. I give myself to your scrutiny that whatever there may be in me that is responsible for what has happened, I will acknowledge. Where I have wronged or given offense deliberately or without intention, I seek a face-to-face forgiveness. What I can undo, I am willing to try. What I cannot undo, with that I seek to make my peace. How to do these things, what techniques to use, with what spirit, for these I need and seek your wisdom and strength, O God. Whatever disaffection there is between me and those who are or have been very close to me, I lay bare before you. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. peace of the Lord be always with you. We're grateful that you're here with us today. We hope you'll take a moment and sign in on the red pads along the center aisle and pass them along so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the week. We would point you to the chapel website for some upcoming activities and also the opportunity for online giving. Uh, we would note that this Thursday is the last day of classes, this spring term here at Boston University, and uh, we head toward a summer schedule beginning next week. We would also note that next Sunday, May 2nd, the Chapel Choir will be offering the last of our Bach Cantata series, this time offering Bach's Mass in G Major, the Lutheran Mass, and we hope you can be here next Sunday for that. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
We pray that you accept these sacrifices that, that have been made at our hands for the praise and glory of God's name, for our good and for the good of all God's church. Amen. close our worship service, let us do so in memory and hope for those who have come before us and still guide us from afar.
As we enter another week, let us do so in memory and hope for Howard Thurman, who came before us and guides us still. For Howard Thurman, who was 100 years ahead of his time 50 years ago. For Howard Thurman, the champion of the disinherited, the efficient at the marriage of heart and head, the angelic herald of common ground. For Howard Thurman, who said, People, all people, belong to one another. For Howard Thurman, who wrote, The ocean and the night surround my life. Death would be a small thing in the sweep of the natural grace. For Howard Thurman, who sung, Today I make my sacrifice of thanksgiving. For Howard Thurman, who preached in silence, admired penguins, taught a king, and celebrated what is shared in love. The religion of Jesus makes the love ethic central. Amen. Amen.